You plugged in, Chris? I am plugged in. Welcome to the Plugged In Podcast. This is Chris from Twitter. And I am Joe Hawks. How you doing, people? Hey, um, before you, um, before we start our show, go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter at Plugged In PCast. Give me a follow at Chrissy underscore Hustle. That's Hustle spelled H-U-S-S-L-E. And you can give me a follow as well at J-L-H-B 510 at Twitter. This week, we're going to go ahead and jump into some baseball talk. Um, to start off the show, we have um, a update on the wild card race, specifically in the American League. We're going to start off with a little bit of A's talk. Um, heading into today, the A's have a two-game lead on the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and the Cleveland Indians, um, and they look to extend um, what's been a pretty good stretch of baseball against the Texas Rangers. They've won eight out of the, eight out of their last nine games against the Astros, the Rangers, the Royals. Um, they started off last night with was it a seven-zero, eight-zero victory? Eight-zero uh, victory over the uh, Rangers last night. Solid game. I was at the game last night. Didn't get my uh, Mike Fires no hitter bobblehead, but why was that? Uh, you know, I showed up at seven ten. Come on, now you're supposed to be in your seats a little bit earlier. You know, but I I emailed my XS rep and he said it's all good. I'm gonna be able to pick one up tomorrow. So you just gotta have a connection like that. But uh, you know, it's Fancy. kind of it's kind of a good thing when when the A's are in the middle of a race. And the only question I have is, should Bowmel have let Fires pitch the ninth inning last night? I mean, really, I mean, is that the guy he trusts the most out of his um, rotation? I mean, they just got Sean Maniah back, and he's been looking marvelous. But, I mean, I believe, hey, Sean, um, Mike Mike Fire is up there coming back after, you know, what, elbow issue uh, in his last start. So, I mean, I thought Bo Mel really wanted him to go out there to show him if he's really healthy. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I You know, I think the, the, the fan side of me wanted him to – throw a shutout on his no-hitter bobblehead night, but considering that he had the injury last game, didn't have a very good outing against Houston, that eight innings of two-hit baseball, two-hit shutout baseball, was an excellent game for him to throw. And then also give Bassett an inning of work um, just to just to keep his arm fresh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you come, when you look at it, the, the Bowmel. That was that was my fault. Ah, computer. Now to be real with you, I mean, Bo Mel really like has trust amongst his um, his starters. I mean, you know, he believes in he believes in Mike Fires. Um, I mean, he's been better in um, holding down the uh, rotation really since um, who was it, Frankie Montas that get uh, that got yeah. suspended earlier, yeah. in, and he's just, he's set to come back. So I mean, we were talking about this a little bit off air that that the A's just has so much depth. Like they have so many guys that it doesn't matter if a starter goes down um, one through nine, they always have somebody to, to, to fill that spot. And that's why I'm really impressed with their start, with their pitching rotation in general. Bullpen's a little desire, a little be to, to be desired, but I really do like the fact that Bowmill has so much trust in the starting rotation. You know, to be honest, I don't even, I can't even comprehend why we would use Montes at this point of the year with eight games left. He's not going to be on a playoff roster. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, really, I mean, what was he? He was 9-2 and two before he got suspended. And I think his last, and if I'm not mistaken, his last start, he had like 13, 14 strikeouts or something like that. So, I mean, yeah, he's not going to be on your rotation in the playoffs, but it is. it would be good to see him just get out there. I mean, just another, you know, you put him out there, just give him a, a little run. It saves the other guys that you've been pitching all year 
uh, a start. I mean, yeah, they just got you just want to go out there, you just want to send him out there just to see what he has. I mean, I I'll be all for it. I, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily know about it. I think it's too important of a point of the season right now um, to kind of just throw a guy who hasn't played or pitched um, in the last what three four months. Man, it's been that long. I think it's been that long, but I, I mean to 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 throw a guy in the middle of the fire. Um, he hasn't really been with the team. But the same thing you could have said that about Manaya though. That's true, but I mean that was a month ago, and I think with a month left in the season, and a guy he's he hasn't been doing nothing. He's been he was doing his rehab with AAA, and so they're you know the team is constantly like you know scouting this guy and making sure that his arm is okay, that his fastball is okay, that is, um, his, you know, that he has control over his pitches, that his pitch count is up, um, all those different things. I don't exactly know how that works with a guy like Montes when, you know, when he's been out on suspension because guys aren't actually practicing or doing anything with the team, right? Good point, good point. Yeah. So so I don't, I don't see why you would stick him in the middle of – you know, an important wild card race because if he blows the game, then to me it it can be pivotal. It's funny you say that because I mean, what if the A's are up like you know, what if the A's are in it up a game eight to nothing, like you know, or something like that? You just don't throw him out there, maybe just for an inning, just give. In that in, in that scenario, I wouldn't I wouldn't be against it if he came in like in a blowout like last night's game, but to put him in a high leverage situation when you don't need that's, him. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you know the A's are blowing out. Of, Team, you know, to give them some work, maybe a two, three, or yeah, two yeah, I, or that that I would be okay with, but I don't, I, I would be completely against Bowman sticking him in a high leverage situation. Agreed. Um, because you're not going to need him in any high leverage situations, especially in the playoffs. So I think you should be saving those moments for guys who need those reps um, and to just get that game time experience. Because right now it's, it's neck and neck, like. Literally, Tampa Bay, I, I believe they're still winning right now. Um, Cleveland, they're playing at the moment. Um, so it could we could be a game and a half um, ahead of those teams going into our game tonight. Yeah, I mean, the Indians the Indians and the Braves are both tough teams that are just they're still nipping at the heels of the A's. I mean, you, you, I mean, let's face it, this is a great story by the A's. I mean, you know, 93 wins right now heading into uh, tonight's contest. With eight games left, with eight games left, with the potential of a hundred win season, exactly. And I think we were not, you and I were kind of talking, you know, kind of throwing this around um, before we got on, that the A's could be a hundred win team and still be a wild card team, barely getting in the playoffs. That's nuts because they've won divisions with ninety three wins, ninety one wins. They were the American, excuse me, if they're their National League Central, they would be leading the division, but with uh, with eight games to go. It's possible that they may end up with a better record than everyone in the NL except the Dodgers. They're only they're two games behind the Atlanta Braves, um, who you just know, cl- who just clinched their division last exactly. Night, yeah. And so I mean, it kind of just depends on the approach that they take moving forward. I wouldn't be surprised if they gave guys rest or some day offs here and there because baseball is just one of those grueling sports because you play six out of seven days, but you also want to be a pretty hot team going in um, because once the playoffs start, you can. You're you're truly in a dogfight with the best teams in your conference. True that. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to it, I mean, I think the A's, um, you know, just be like I said, entering the night, two games clear of the uh, second wild card team. Uh, 
I mean, and and and, uh, and, uh, and of course uh, Tampa and, and, and Cleveland. I just think that really with the with with uh, with Oakland, they continue to maintain this pace where they play in dominant baseball, where they get contributions from one through nine. Um, the starting pitching goes out there and does well. Um, again, it really just depends on what they really you know how Bo Mel's going to be able to manage his bullpen because we've seen uh, recently the bullpen has had its hiccups. Liam Hendricks the other night. Um, in their first game back at the Coliseum after that long, after that uh, what six, seven game road trip. Yeah, I, I think I think the biggest concern with the bullpen is, I, I mean, they have their setup guy, so Yusmero Petit um, is good for, I'd say anywhere between three to six outs. You could almost he's like an emergency starter. Yeah, so, but yeah, you, he's he's durable. Ideally, you would want him pitching one inning, which is the eighth, to set up you know save opportunities for Liam Hendricks because. You're not going to have a lot of four or five run games in the playoffs. Yeah, runs are a premium. Come playoff time, runs are a premium. Yeah, and so the main thing is, you know, a lot of times a successful bullpen, you'll have two setup guys and your closer. And so at this point, it's it's really just up in the air. I don't know if there's a, another guy that I trust outside of. Use Merrill Petit. Hendricks has been okay the second half, closing games out. Um, he was much more solid in the first half, um, but I think teams know that he's going to come out throwing gas, and so they're kind of sitting on that fastball. He's 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 worked a slider into his repertoire a little bit, um, but teams are sitting back on that fastball, and, and they've just been teen. So does it kind of remind you of Grant Balfour from a few years ago? Yeah, I could I could see the the comp there. Um, the only thing is Grant Balfour had one entire like season where he was just dominant. Um, Hendricks came in this year. Who was the closer last year? You had Trinan. 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 Who, who just who just got put on um, season-ending um, on the injury uh, injury list. I did not know that, but yeah, I, I mean, he's just been off all year. I, I don't really know if I believe what he said earlier in the season about like it not being a confidence thing because anytime you go in there and you struggle the way he has, like it's 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 really concerning. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that it's not a serious injury. I mean, because at this point of the year, like season-ending IR doesn't really, you know, it could be a six-week injury. It could be, you know, something more serious than that. Um, but he really just hasn't been sharp I at mean, all. I mean, you're right. I mean, what, what, like, let's, let's face it. You and I, like I said, we've talked about this on-air, off-air. The A's, one through nine, Pretty much the whole entire roster, for the most part, have depth. It's there's there's not a problem with that. It's about what they do with the bullpen. And, you know, they up they're up you know five to two or something like that. They got a lead like that. You're hoping that this bullpen can you know come in and shut down the opposing offense because in this face the A's can score runs. But we did we just touched on how come postseason those runs are a premium. Though runs you know. If you can if you if you can score if you can score runs that's great but it is also about stopping the other team and, and really with the A's if their starting rotation is is dominant you know maybe the bullpen doesn't really come into play in certain in a, in, a, in a wild card game or something like that yeah I think the the biggest the the important thing with the bullpen is to let their defense work um, one of the things that they've struggled with is just walking guys guys coming out of the pen, no control, getting a guy on. Um, but also just throwing pitches that guys can 
take out of the park when you know because major league hitters like they're they're good hitters they're they're the best in the world and so when you're missing location when you're leaving fastballs in the middle of the plate like dudes are going to tee off when you make mistakes like that um for the most part I, I trust Fegley going out there and calling a solid game and so the thing is when it gets to the bullpen like you got guys that need to make their pitches you can't be missing location we have I think statistically we're like the fifth fourth or fifth best defense in in the game which is great when it, if you're going into the playoffs yeah exactly and so like the the A's they pretty much their whole right now is their bullpen at the beginning of the year everybody would have said it was their starting rotation I, I, um, I don't see that as a weakness at all exactly and, and so the thing is with them they've got a pretty good solid uh starting rotation um but come playoff time don't be surprised if Bowmill tries to get extra pitches out of those guys to to close out the seventh inning because it's a, to, to me if he can get seven innings out of a starter then that's pretty much an eighth inning for Petit and a ninth inning for Hendricks. I just came across something. We were just talking about Mike Fires earlier, and I just came across a quote from last night's game. Um, I want I want to read you. I'm gonna read you this. I want and I, and I want to hear what you have to say about this. Okay. Um, Fires said his latest effort provided quote peace of mind that I can go back out there and pitch, and also. The last three starts haven't been ideal, so I wanted to show these guys I still have, I still got it. What do you think about that? I kind of just take it at face value. His last three starts haven't been good. His last start at Houston was terrible. I think they had like 11, seven runs, something like that. In, Before in, he even left the game. Exactly, right. and he, he left the game with a, a bit of an injury. So I think it was a good start for him just to get back on the right track, especially at the Coliseum, because if we're looking at a wild card game, then I, I don't mind him pitching that game just because it's such a pitcher-friendly ballpark, and he's a guy who he makes his pitches. He doesn't walk a lot of guys. He throws fly, a ball, lot of, fly ball pitcher, yeah. He throws strikes. He's the guy, like, he's he's the opposite of the bullpen. He's a guy who's going to throw strikes, and he's going to make the defense work. And anybody, to me, who makes the defense work is a smart pitcher because if you're either striking guys out or you're making guys hit to the defense, if you're a good pitcher on our staff, um, and most guys are going to let their defense work for them. It's funny you just brought up about being able to have the wild card game at the Coliseum. We've we've talked about it many times on how much the Coliseum is still probably maybe the last natural home field advantage in baseball with all the new cookie cutter with all the new uh, stadiums out there. The Coliseum with all of its with its large uh, foul ter- territory and just the fans still kind of on top of you. It's still the, one of the last bastions of a home field advantage. That's why I believe that the A's will be able to get that, um, still be able to hold on to the top wild card spot and be able to um, host the playoff game. They have just as greatest chance to win win that game at home because of all the of all the um, of all the amenities that I just talked about. Yeah, I think um, when you think about it, the A's have the fifth or sixth most home runs. In the majors, yeah, like what five, six guys with twenty or more home runs or something. Considering that they pitch in one of the worst parks to hit in, especially at night. Plenty, you've been to plenty of night games. I've been in plenty of night games. Did you see that home run that Matt Olson hit? 
I mean, it's still it's still in the air right now. It, it, oh my it went goodness. up to Mount Davis. I mean, when you look at it, that guy has freakish power, doesn't he? Four hundred fifty feet. That is just a dead center. It's it, crazy. In 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 a night, night game. Yeah, and and we we've always talked about, like I said, anybody that's watched an A's game on TV or has been there at the Coliseum, like you and I have have been over the years, they you could tell people used to say the toughest park to hit a home run out of at night is at the Coliseum because the ball just dies. But Matt Olson just stepped back, and I mean, he just, I mean, crushed that ball. I mean, it just looked like that ball was was just, it, it just shot right off his bat, and it just goes to show you that the A's have had. Um, a, a, matter of fact, one of my one of my uh, closest friends actually told me that the A's are the best mistake hitting baseball team, and I and I really believe that they 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 will crush any mistake a pitcher will throw across the. Just going back to the home run thing, we're fourth um, in the majors behind the Yankees with 294, Minnesota Twins with 293 home runs, and the Houston Astros with 271. And considering, I mean, all three of those teams pretty much play in a band box. And and those three teams are what all have in common are going to the playoffs for the most part. Yeah, they're they're all division win. They're all division leaders for the most part. They're all clinched up the division except for the uh, the Twins, but. The long ball still is still king in baseball, right? It pretty much is. I mean, guys don't really come into the majors throwing 90 miles an hour anymore. It's like you throw 96, or you don't make really make a team. That's no, you you hit the nail right on the yeah. head. You're absolutely right. Now, I mean, there are you know a couple of guys that still make the bigs. Um, some notably good ones that that can come in and throw a 91 mile an hour fastball but they've got Finesse electric pitcher. like Zach Granke type pitchers it's funny you say Zach Granke because he's in Houston and yeah. not, just giving them another arm for a good for maybe a postseason run on the, of their own that's good that's a good pull right there Chris yeah yeah what do you what do you think of the most valuable player Marcus Simeon you and I have been having this conversation about it um, I'm almost I'm almost in your camp, but I'm not. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of strange, but yeah. I mean, Marcus Simeon, I mean, has done it all for the A's. He's basically been their most consistent player all year, hitting out of the leadoff spot. He's basically in career career high in home runs, RBIs, so pretty much all across the board. His batting average has went up 10 points in the last month of, of the year. That just goes to show you how hot he is. And pretty much he put his team on, and, and for the most part, he, and, and it's kind of hard for me to say this because the A's have so many other hitters. Can you say that he's he's put the team on his back at certain times with the, at, the, at this last maybe two, three weeks of the season? No doubt. He's um, he's Right now he's batting 283. Um, so I, his, I mean, his average has went up yeah, probably I mean, about five points. Um, home runs, he's got 31. He's and got... I, 88 RBIs. Um, he's walked 79 times this year. Struck out 100. How many runs he scored? He scored 170, 117. He's the 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 all-time record is 123 by Reggie say, Jackson. Isn't he, yeah, isn't he like six runs away from um, from from uh, being the a, tying the A's all-time yeah, runs? Yeah, yeah and that, that's 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 big right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, he's putting up ridiculous numbers this year, and he's going to be a Gold Glove candidate. Um, 
just based on the defense that he's been playing. I don't know if shortstop is as strong of a position as it used to be in the American League. Derek Jeter's are not in here. Alex Rodriguez is. Yeah, those, those, yeah the, the days of the American League shortstop, um, Nomar Garcia Parra, you know, those guys. Miguel Zahada, you know. Yeah, Omar Vizquel was just, he was the best. Don't get me started on Omar Vizquel. We'll be here for hours. I loved, I loved him uh, as growing up watching him play. He played with the he played with the, the Indians. Did he play for the White Sox at one point? For a spell, and he also people forget he played for the Giants. The Giants. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was like the end of his career. Like, but he was still yeah. I mean, when he could barely even throw the ball to first base anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but he, the 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 majority of his career was spent with the with Cleveland. the Indians. Yeah. yeah. So he was he was probably the best defensive shortstop I've ever seen play. That's that's not, that's really high praise, and you're, so. and you're definitely right about that. Yeah. Um. But, but no, but to, to, to just to go back to answering your question about uh-huh. uh, if Marcus Simeon is a is an AL MVP candidate, yes, I would say um, it's going to be tough because you've got other uh, guys in the American League that uh, that have had great seasons. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to say, even Justin Verlander, who's going to probably be the Cy, uh, Cy Young Award winner, possibly could have 20 wins with the, if he wins his next start. He could possibly be an MVP candidate. Houston's got like three. They've got three guys batting 300. They've got Michael Brantley. They've got Yuli Gurriel, Altuve, and then they also have Alex Bregman, who's batting 295. They've got three guys, if I'm not mistaken, that have hit 30 or more home runs on that team too. So the Houston is again 101 wins. They're a class of the of the division. The A's have continuously have to try to chase those guys down to really be. Um, bit to win a division championship maybe next year, but for the A's to have 93 wins and the Houston Astros at 101, that just goes to show you how tough the American League is, especially American League West, right there. They've also got George Springer who's batting 291, so they have they have five guys in the top 16 as far as batting average in, in the American League, and f- and four of those guys I think. Um, it's four of those guys that have 30-plus. So, um, so George it, Springer has 35. Okay. Bregman has 38. Altuve has 30. And yeah, Gurriel has he, 30. Yeah, uh, Altuve hit his 30th home run last night. I, I, oh, so they have four. Okay, I'm, I'm mistaken. I thought they had three. So they have four. Wow. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean they're, they've got like 270 home runs for the year. Strong um, with strong pitching to go with that too. Yeah, so they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, you know, hopefully, if the A's get through the wild card game, they're either going to be facing the Yankees or the the Astros. It just kind of depends on who blinks first. I'll say this though: if they were to play the Yankees, they'll have to me right now. If they get past, you know, get past the wild card game, out of the Yankees or the Astros, I'm sure a lot of A's fans would say they'd rather take on. Yankees, because it, like because the Yankees have not had had great success against the A's the last couple of years. The A's have had their number either at the Coliseum or in New York. But I saw, I you know, saw last you, year. you know why I would prefer for them to play the Yankees because I want to take them out in five, and then I, I want to see us play seven games against Houston, which could be a classic. Which could be a classic because I mean, let let put put the regular season um, schedule um, away between the A's and the and the, and the Astros. Imagine a seven-game American League Championship Series between the A's and the, and the uh, Astros. Just imagine that. It would probably be a lot of runs scored, just like that 
the beginning of the last series that we had against the Astros where they put up what, like 15 and then we put up 21. That was, it was a football. They're, it they're was back-to-back football, football numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was crazy because the next two games, they actually had relatively good pitching right. matchups. And that goes to show you, like, when you're talking, you know, say the A's have to face the Astros in a postseason situation, in a postseason series, we've seen Justin Verlander as a Detroit Tiger just absolutely own this team. You know, and he's still a still a very dominant pitcher. So, you know, the A's would have to contend with him maybe two times a series. Um, same with Granke, two tw- twice uh, in the series. Wade, my Garrett Cole, they have a full ensemble of a good staff, and the A's have to worry. Like, you know, the A's have to worry about that. Yeah, I think that. I mean, that's what wins games in the playoffs is just dominant pitching. I am. A little relieved just at seeing how well the A's did against Verlander in that last series in Houston. Yeah. Um, I think they there jumped was on like, him early. Yeah. They had like a clip of like Verlander basically telling Marcus Simeon to chill out because he was like killing the dude when he was up there. But it's it's good to see that they're at least I think the A's right now they're too young um, to know any better if they get into a playoff series in terms of who's suppo- who they're supposed to lose to. Um, and they're quite frankly, they're too young and they're too good to 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 care how good another team is or how better another team is. And I think they may just go into a big series and pretty much shock the baseball world. I, I mean, they're they're just always this Cinderella team who gets to a point where they're not supposed to be. Um, it's but they can potentially win a hundred games if they go like seven and one in their last eight games. Um, and to call any team that wins 100 games an underdog going into any series is beyond me. So if I think if you face the Yankees or if you face the Astros, then I wouldn't consider either team a favorite or an underdog. Because, I mean, regular season baseball, once you get to the postseason, it doesn't really mean much. It's, it's about timely hitting, you know, dominant pitching, and getting your bullpen in there to, to finish games out. And so the, the biggest worry, of course, that we have is, is the bullpen, which we touched on a little earlier. But other than that, like I, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a team as prepared for the postseason as this A's team. Um, they've just got to get past that wild card game. You said the, the, you said the most key word out of that whole, uh, that whole statement there, prepared. Yeah. Uh, and, and honestly, it, it goes to me, it starts with Bob Melvin. Yeah, like that team, they they go to his two. They pretty much, Bob Melvin, is a play like you know we hear this term players manager all the time in sports players player coach and football or base uh, basketball. But Bob Melvin is really the great equalizer for this team. Yeah, and what I've heard about this club in particular is that the A's they've always been pretty notorious for having a very loose clubhouse, uh, and. and it's no different with this team, but I think it's not as loose as teams of the past. So you got you have guys that are just straight up grinders. You got rid of uh, Country Breakfast a few years ago. Oh, he Brad. was killing the team, yeah. Brett Butler. Yeah, the, uh, the worst contract for a DH that I've ever seen. Three years, thirty million. Ridiculous. <laughs> but dude, they're they're ready, and so they just need to they they got to get past the wild card game. One, they, they've got to secure the wild card spot because it's it, yeah. it can still be lost to, to Cleveland and Two Tampa if they up, don't take care of business. Yeah. Um, but they need to they need to secure that game. They need to secure that game at home. They need to win that game. 
they get into the playoffs, it's a whole new season. And we've seen 100 team wins go down in the postseason. Easily after and at the end of the, one at, game. And yeah. at the end of the day, only one of these teams could win. So if you think about it, there's 300 win teams in the American League. Um, the Dodgers will probably be well, the it's, only it's gonna be, win team in the I mean, National to, League. Well, the, the Twins are going to win 100 games. They, they have to finish off 5-2, and two, I think. Um, you, if the A's get in and get past the wild card game, every team – in the playoffs, we'll have won a hundred games in the American League. I don't. Know, we we'll have to double check. I don't know if that's ever been done in the American League, where every team that's gotten in has a hundred wins. Mm, man, that's a good, that that's actually a good point. I gotta. I'm gonna double. We'll check have that. to. Yeah. Well, I mean, double it has check. to happen first. No, so no, the A's no. have to win a hundred, and and then the Astros. I mean, the the Twins would have to win a hundred, and then you have the Dodgers in the in the NL, who have over a hundred wins. So you're you're potentially looking at five. 100 win teams in the playoffs and we and we and we kind of talked about this a little bit before we were preparing we were, while we were preparing for the show that just because you I mean you can get in the playoffs 100 wins but it really does come down to the team that's playing great ba- baseball at that time so that's why you know the wild card teams i think have an advantage in some of these teams that have won a division because they're still in playoff mode when they when they when they play that first game in the division wild card yeah it's a playoff game for them but when they say the A's you know end up beating the Rangers or excuse me the uh, the Rays or the Indians in the in the in the first wild card game and play either the Yankees or the Astros the Astros and the Yankees will have the most pressure on them because of the like we were just saying the hundred wins they have and the A's they're not supposed to be this far even though they have even though they have a hundred wins. They're not supposed to be in the same league as these other two, so that's why I think a lot more pressure are on those teams that have clinched early, because they're expected to move on and maybe even contend for a title. The A's playing with house money everywhere they go. They're playing with house money. That that is true. Um, it is their second year in the wild card game, um, so at this point, I, you know, the guys who got a taste of the wild card game last year, it's not going to be playing with house money for them. We were talking about that before we prepared, yeah. I don't think I mean nobody's going into the wild card game to lose the game. One team has to lose, one team has to win. But I think given that the A's have um the experience of playing in the game last year, um yeah, I mean all these guys were on the team last year. Canna, Mark I mean uh Mark Davis, Chris Davis, Olsen, Chapman, Simeon, um Piscotty's probably, I mean, I don't know what's going on with his injury right now, but he was on the team last year. Fegley was on the team. You got the guys in the rotation, a couple guys in the bullpen. So they've all got a taste of it last year, and it was quick. And so I think, you know, they, they've got to get past the wild card game. I keep saying that. Um, they don't want the season to end with the wild card game. Real quick, we were kind of tossing this um, question around. Who do you start in the, in the in the wild card game, do you start Manaya? Do you start Fires? It, it's Fires or Manaya. I, I mean, at this point, I was saying Manaya, but with with the home field advantage in play, if we do get a game at the Coliseum, I'm not gonna be opposed to seeing Fires, especially given the fact that he probably could have threw a shutout last night um, had he went out and pitched the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I won't be worried either way. I think the main thing is it's likely gonna be a late day game. 
Yeah, October 2nd, uh, more than likely if it, It's probably going to be like a 5 p.m. Yeah, start. Especially if it's here. If it's here, yeah. it's going it's to be a five. It's going to be a, the, the, the later riding crowd. You hate that. But evening at the Coliseum, 5 p.m. home playoff game. What more do you want? Huh? It's, I mean, it'll be awesome just from the standpoint of the A's when they hit those deep fly balls. I don't think they're going to die out. In the outfield, especially uh, you talk about a twilight game, four four forty five, five o'clock they, start. They, yeah. There's going to be some home runs hit, um, and I mean Cleveland and Minnesota, they're like nine and nine and eleven, I think, in the majors in home runs. They've both hit over two hundred, so they're they're no slouch either. Um, but it's it's going to be interesting to see down the stretch how that plays out. We might actually end up getting, you know, if 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 the teams are tied, then. Cleveland and Tampa will have to play a play-in to get into the play-in game. That's, that's the craziest thing about baseball, right? It's like they you want to talk about teams that all you know. Just imagine those two teams, you know, finish tied, and the A's are just sitting there waiting for their opponent. They have to go through all those tiebreakers to figure out who's got what, and you know, like you say, maybe one game playoff, another playoff, a one-game playoff. Uh, for I'm, the American I'm, I'm interested to spot. see how they schedule those games like is the play-in for the play-in going to be the day before and then do they travel come to oakland the next day to play to play on a back-to-back you know what i mean like it's it's it'll be interesting to see how that they they play that out you know just kind of transitioning over to the national league they have they have a six-team race that is separated by five games so the the guy the the team at the top um it is the national the washington nationals they're at 84 and 68, and there is the Arizona Diamondbacks that they are 79 They're and 75. They're still around? They're still around. Oh, my God. 79 and 75. Um, they've got kind of a puncher's chance. They're four games behind the Brewers, who are at 84 and 70. Who were supposed to be dead after uh, Christian Yelich got uh, got hurt and put placed on IL for the rest of the year. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, baseball is like the classic team sport. Like, one guy could be your best player and go out, and it's not going to impact. You know, it's 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 classic, like, plug and play. Like, you're not going to replace Christian Yelich, but, you know, what is he bat, like, 310, 320? He was pretty much the... Him and him and um and uh, Cody Bellinger, the MVPs. Yeah. They're the MVP. They were the MVP. Uh, pretty much one and two for the MVP in the National League. And I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, we were just talking. We were just harping on the fact that when the A's, you know, if they suffer like a major injury or just a major uh, just setback for a guy that is going to be in the lineup, they're easily able to slide those guys in there. And I mean, just like for the fact, just like for the fact, we were talking about how. Um, you know, baseball is definitely the ultimate plug-and-play guy. You're not going to replace a guy, you know, his production. You just hope to kind of, you know, sustain that a little bit. I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, it's, I mean, like I said, it's a six-team race between the Washington Nationals, Milwaukee Brewers, Chicago Cubs, New York Mets, Philadelphia Phillies, and Arizona Diamondbacks. Two of those teams end up playing the – I mean, one of those teams is playing the Indians right now, the Philadelphia Phillies. And then they've also got to make a trip to go um, play the Washington Nationals at the end of the year. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to, um, you know, sustain the, the level that they've been playing at, given that they're going to be playing against other wild card competition from the other league. But at the same time, Tampa Bay also does have to play 
the New York Yankees for two more games. They've got, I think, um, they're in the second of a four-game series against the Boston Red Sox. So both teams have pretty much a fair share of tough games to go. The A's, it would be, to me, a complete disappointment if they don't finish off with the home game in the wild card, given that they only have they have the Rangers, they have the Angels, and they have the Mariners. And, we, and, we, and like I said, those are teams that you see on a regular basis. But even though the Angels and the, and the Mariners are two teams – that would love to play spoiler. If the A's don't win both those series, uh, it would be uh, yeah. Not not be, just win, sweep those series. Yeah, I mean, I, I you're you're right. They should sweep those series. But again, you know, baseball is baseball, just a funny sport. Baseball yeah. is a funny sport. But I would say if I had to, you know, forecast it, I think the A's. Yeah, they they go on and beat. You know, they 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 they, they, they take care of business. But National League wise. My two, t- the two teams that I think are going to probably finish um, with the two spots are going to probably end up being Wa- the Washington and Milwaukee. I think the Cubs, um, they they're just kind of they're just a little suspect for me now at the end of the day. And Joe Madden has been there's so much talk about him possibly getting the boot in Chicago. And and face it, Philadelphia, I think the Mets in Philadelphia are done. But there was I was reading a report earlier. Um, might have been Jeff Passan of ESPN, one of these guys. They mentioned that, say, the Philly doesn't make the playoffs, and the Cubs don't make the playoffs, Philly may, Philadelphia may fire uh, Gabe Kapler, replacing with Joe Madden because of that payroll they have. And, I mean, they have all these stars, and there's pretty much, quote-unquote, a World Series contender. you got to bring a manager in there and turn the key. But National League, Washington Nationals and Milwaukee Brewers are probably my two teams that make it. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. The Chicago Cubs, they they kind of look like they're just toast right now. They they're in the middle of they a five tired. game losing streak. They look tired. They have one. They're finishing a four game series against the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, if they lose today, they're they're swept in the four game series. They got to play Pittsburgh, and then they have to play the Cardinals to finish the year. It's not looking good for them, just because. I mean. Tough sledding. Yeah, they're going against the 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 crop, the cream of the crop of their division. Um, they, I mean, with that said, they can still win the division because they play the the, the team at the top. Um, and then Milwaukee, um, I'm not sure what their schedule is at the moment, but Milwaukee was there even last year. They were a really complete team. They was that a seven game series that they had with the Dodgers. Uh, y- yes. Yeah, and so they that series that they had with the Dodgers last year was a really good series, um, and a lot of teams actually had them, actually pick them to win that series, and so I I mean I think the Brewers have you know they still have just as good a chance as anyone. Um, it's going to be harder to do without Yelich, but again Yelich is one guy. It's not like basketball. It's not like football where if you lose one guy, you're losing all your offense. So you know and. and like I said, baseball is the, the prototypical, like, plug-in, replace, you know, get production out of another guy. It's not going to be the same production, um, but you just need timely hits. And then, you know, your your production will come from, like, the other stars of the team. That's the, that's the, that's a, honestly, that's the Major League Baseball playoffs in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, you were mentioning that uh, Milwaukee pretty much finishes up. Right now they're in Pittsburgh, but they finish up with three at Cincinnati and three at Colorado. Yeah, they're going to take that wild card spot. <laughs> I mean, so, kind of just they, they yeah. might have a chance to, t- to take that top wild card, wild card spot because uh, the Nationals are going to finish up against the Cleveland Indians. 
and so a team that's got a lot to play for as well yeah and so i it, it's going to be interesting last week to finish the season it's october's right around the corner and so october baseball is coming and hopefully it'll be a very green october <laughs> here in uh here in the bay area so you know just just side note for this as a baseball fan you gotta enjoy this right you gotta enjoy these races down the stretch yeah. right? yeah I, I do i mean i think what the a's has got in pretty common um to 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 be in the thick of things come september um That's a lot of times want. a lot of times i tend to kind of look past these games and just kind of focus in on who the potential wild card game is going to be against or um even beyond that because the wild card game is still relatively new. Um, you know, I'm it's looking, a crap shoot. I'm it's looking crap at shoot. I'm looking at ALDS, man. And and to me it's like if they don't get past the wild card game, then to me it was it was a failure of a season. So I'm glad you brought that up. So if the A's do not win that wild card game, it's it's a failure this year. Yeah. And, and next year they're gonna have to win the division. Like it's I you're bringing up all this young talent and I mean, and that's that's the downside to a one one game playing, is that it's just everything is on the line. Like you throw all the numbers out the window, you got to perform that day, that game. And uh, I mean, they they got to the wild card game last year, and so their expectations weren't any less than they were last year. They're going into that game, and I think even the A's feel like if they get to the same game and lose again, it's gonna be the equivalent to making multiple first round exits. So, so then, then you, you say that my, then just kind of adding to this topic. If the A's don't win that wild card game, I mean, I'm, I, I'm almost hesitant to even ask this question. Is Bob? Milton no, in, no. In trouble? He, no, I mean, they, they, they need to win that game. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to put that on Bob Melvin. I think there's a certain, like you know, like the they always say, coaches coach and players play. Like if it if it comes down to a decision that's made, then that that'll be like that. That's the thing about baseball. When coaches make a bad decision, it's it's clear as day. Like when they make a bad call, like starting a a, a, a relief pitcher in the in the wild card game last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever, man. Um, I'm just I'm just saying because let, let's be let's face it, like. The A's have we we we've we touched upon the fact that they've had they've got so much talent. They've got probably you were saying this probably their best team pretty much since probably the early two thousand teams in terms of just run production. If they don't are if they're not able to get past the first game the first wild card game, does does Bob Melvin is Bob Melvin on the hot seat? I think that's a legitimate. I, I don't I don't think he's on the hot seat. I mean, nobody. Nobody had this team winning more than 80 games this year, so I think he's constantly overachieving. I don't, I don't think he's overachieving with the group because the group is really good. So I think he's getting a good amount of production out of them. But to even have them, 100 games wins the division. Most, Especially if you're in the National League right now. 100 games wins a division most times. The the A's have won divisions with 90 game wins, or, or with with 90 game wins with with 90 wins in a season. And so to win 100 games and, and be part of a one-game playoff, I, I'm not a huge fan of the one-game play-in, but, I mean, it is what it is. got to win that game and go play in the ALDS. And, and that, that's kind of just the bottom line. And 
one of the teams has to win. You know, unfortunately, like a, a really good team is not going to make the playoffs. There are going to be three teams in the AL that have superior records to, you know, like two out of the four teams that make it in the in the NL. And so it, it, it's kind of just like how, you know, like the seven and nine Seattle Seahawks, you know, when when teams win their division or just have like inferior records and they still make the playoffs. It's kind of like that. Um, that's a good pull right there. But I, I mean, that that's, you know, to me, that's that's what it is. It is I'm not going to hold anything against Bob Melvin because the team had no expectations. I think anybody outside the ace fans didn't expect anything from this team. Um, but, you know, once you're there you got to produce and you've got to change the outcomes. You've got to rewrite the history and create your own success in the playoffs. You hit the nail right on the head. I mean, it was great to hear. I mean, really, we dove, we dove into a lot of A's talk there. I mean, yeah. I swear to you, I think the A's, they have a great, they have, you know, they're an exciting team. And, you know, and I think really with this fan base, you know, rallying behind them, I think they're going to have, they're going to have a good shot at, you know, maybe doing, you know, making some noise in the postseason. Yeah. And, um, you're right. That was a lot of A's talk. We're going to go ahead and transition into a segment on the NFL. We're going to go ahead and start off with um, the Niners' home opener versus the Pittsburgh Steelers this Sunday. The Niners um, surprisingly at 2-0 with another right, surprise against the Steelers, who are 0-2 right now. Um, Mason Rudolph's first start of his career with Ben Roth, Big Ben out of the year with uh, that season-ending elbow surgery um he's gonna be making his first start against what's looked like a pretty stout Niners defense over the first two weeks um what are you looking for in this game I mean really when it comes down to it Mason Rudolph is making his first career start um I was you know just he threw you know he had 19 dropbacks last week against uh when he, when he took over Ben uh, against Seattle I'm just looking for the defense uh, for the Niners just continue to do what they're doing um Apply pressure to the quarterback, um, you know, make your tackles. Um, they, they've, they've, they've been one of the best tackling teams the, last, the first two weeks of the season. Um, Pittsburgh has, has pretty much their season is on the line come Sunday. Uh, they are 0-2. Um, they lost their, 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 you know, future Hall of Fame quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. The offense is taking a step back. People are saying that, you know, that they really do miss Antonio Brown, um, Le'Veon Le'Veon. Bell, they they missed they missed their offense because outside of Juju Smith, who else on the on the on the Steelers that you really have to worry about? You know, James Conner love 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 what he does in the running game, but he's coming in a little banged up with the knee injury. So yeah, I think the I Niners. Mean, I saw, I'm sorry. I think the Niners, you know, have to really just jump on the Steelers. You know, from the, from the word go. Yeah, I mean to be honest, it's not really a great thing when Vance McDonald is. Yeah, you know, I don't know if he's leading in yards and receptions, he's but he's definitely Mason Rudolph's most like him and Mason Rudolph kind of struck up a, of a, of a core during training camp. So he's he's definitely a guy that he wants to look at too. And also his former teammate at uh, Oklahoma State, uh, James Washington, is mm-hmm. also a, a viable target. Yeah, it'll be interesting um, with a rookie quarterback leading the way. I mean, will there be a lot of false start penalties for the new quarterback, considering that it might be a 50-50 crowd over I'm at Levi Stadium? You know what, Chris? I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, that's really what has really been the issue with uh, Levi's. This has been their fifth year going into it. I mean, the Niners, since they've moved into uh, Levi Stadium, are 3-1 and one in, um, in home openers. But, yeah, Steeler fans, we were talking about this earlier. Um, they travel. They travel a lot. Um, Steeler fans, uh, 
uh, Cowboy fans, uh, even so Raider fans um, on the road. They, they, they travel well. So I think really with the Niners, they better hope that it is more of a Niner crowd than a Steeler crowd because, yeah, I've, no one's really said Levi's has been noisy for a pro football game. College, yes, but pro football, they haven't had anything to really, to, to really just um, cheer about. And so really this Sunday, if they're playing against uh, the Steelers, they're 2-0 and at home. They're 2-0 and coming in. This is the first, like, real expectation for our fan base that uh, that hasn't seen the Niners play this well in, in, in about a few years now. I'm pretty sure you've looked into this, but what what are ticket prices looking like for... Too rich for my blood. Too rich. Okay. <laughs> um, you, you know, with really with Levi's, um, I think on the secondary market, I had seen um, some of the, you know, like, higher levels... About a couple hundred bucks. About maybe about I thought I saw like on the secondary market two seventy five. Yeah, I mean it's the home opener, so I can understand it's a little high. But I, I'm I'm someone that don't get it wrong, like to go to a game. But as long as I have the TV with the multiple angles and my bathroom is literally a and couple the, of steps the, away the, from the me. The Niners, they're not even good. I mean, I mean they're they're <laughs> good. They have not they have not You're been right. good. You're right. So You're right. so the thing is, you know, when when winning is the standard. And not catching people by surprise, True. then expect that price to be in like the three hundred. True. No, well, no. you know what? That's probably. I mean, it depends on the competition because Steelers, the Steelers um, fan base, they travel well, so they're generally gonna they're they're gonna increase the demand of tickets, so the the the, the prices are gonna go up a little bit. Um, so I could see like three hundred dollars being the you know the 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 price on the secondary market for the Niners if they even if they were playing like. A really bad team, but if if winning was kind of like the 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 cultural norm for them, so if they if they get back to this um, thing where they're constantly making the playoffs and also being a Super Bowl contender, then that could be the standard as far as like what you could expect to see from um, purchase. You know, as far as like purchasing wanting wanting to purchase tickets um, from the Forty ers for for any home game. I checked. It's funny you say that because I checked on tickets for two weeks from now when they play uh, Cleveland on Monday night because they had their bye week after this week. Um, and the tickets for the Monday night game, of course, Odell Beckham, um, uh, Baker Mayfield, and, and the Browns. They, I mean, they they have a pretty good fan base. Yeah, and the ticket prices for some of those were in the three hundred dollar range on the secondary market. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it really does come. It really does come down to if your team is winning, you expect to be put uh, to be paid uh, winning uh, ticket prices. Ooh, I can't I can't wait to break down the dog pound. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, Terrell Owens, he's going into the to the 49ers Hall of Fame. Long time coming. I mean, I love T.O. He was one of my favorites growing up watching him. I mean, Jerry, of course, Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver of all time, but Terrell Owens, I mean, just a freak. This guy is brought it brought it every Sunday. Um, you know, it was always that debate between who was better, T.O. or Randy Moss. I mean, you couldn't go wrong with either guy. I mean, if you like deep speed, you go with Randy Moss. But if you like a guy who can catch a one-yard hitch and just knock three or four guys down on the way yeah. to the end zone, you want T.O. I, I think each guy is just kind of like, you know, like Randy Moss, he's the greatest at what he, he's done. The deep ball, which is no, just one better. A, no one better. Yeah, nobody's running that, that streak better than Randy Moss. You're absolutely right. Because he's just, I mean, he's a straight line guy. Um, if you want like a more versatile, complete receiver, T.O.'s your guy. T.O. was held in the running the, game. The catch, the catch versus Green Bay. 
He catch two, yes, sir. Got the wind knocked out of him to end the game. Like, <laughs> no, but that that's that's Terrell Owens. Like, he 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 went through the middle, and he came out that cloud of dust, you know, and and ran ran the ball to the house. Like, absolutely right. Dragon guys. Yeah. And like just powerful, strong. They're giving out, and it's funny. They're giving out pom poms. <laughs> for the fans uh, oh, because of T.O.'s uh, yeah. Hall of Fame induction. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, really, like like I said, I mean... They should put a star on the middle, middle of the should, field. They should, right? Right, they yeah. Should, I mean, I, it would only be fitting, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but for the most part, I, I just think, like, yeah, if you had, you know, if you if you believe Randy Moss was your favorite wide receiver growing up, you have, you know, that's, that's your yeah. that's your, uh, that's your prerogative. There, there's really, you can go either way and not be wrong. You're, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. You're, you're, you can get into many of a conversation where... You know, first person you think of outside of Jerry Rice, maybe was, Randy Moss. Was yeah. T.O. the first guy to use the Sharpie? Yes, he was. Okay. <laughs> Joe Horn was the first to, to pull the cell phone which, out. To me, okay, right? Which, to me, is one of the still one of the great yeah. celebrations of all yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll probably have to we'll, – we'll mark that down for you our next what? episode. We'll, we'll, yes. we'll go over our best touchdown celebrations. I'm all for that all right. one right there, yes. All right, for sure. Let's do that, man. Mm-hmm. Next uh, – Next up, we, I mean, we got the Niners out the way. We're going to talk a little bit of Raiders for the Raider fans out there. Um, the Raiders, they played an okay. They, they started off well against the Chiefs. Which and then about the, that whole game. That, it just, you know. Did anybody expect the Chiefs to go into the Coliseum and lose? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the Raiders, they, they, they gave it their best punch in, in the first quarter. They jumped up 10 nothing. That's what I'm saying. And I don't know if the Chiefs were fully prepared. Um, the Raiders, they were flying around. Um, but I think, you know, the there, there's just too much speed on the on the Chiefs' offense. And the, and the and the and their fastest guy wasn't even out there. Yeah, Gruden had those guys prepared. Um, they came out with a pretty good game plan. Derek Carr has to start playing better against the Chiefs. Um, it, he did not have a good game at all, and, and against a secondary who has been terrible against. You know, I mean, they only played one game, but Gardner Minshew, like, he looked good last night. He did. Against the Jag, I mean, against uh, the Titans. He sure did, yeah. But Gardner Minshew threw 300 yards against against the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I, the Chiefs by no means have a dominant secondary. They actually have a really bad secondary. No. I don't I don't know why, what, what the issue is with Derek Carr putting up these you know these terrible performances against the Chiefs, but they've got—he's got to start playing better against Kansas City. Because to be honest, I, I didn't buy into the—they're going to have to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field to to beat him. To me, if if they were going to win that game, they just had to flat out score more points. No, you're right. I mean, anytime you play against the Chiefs, especially under Andy Reid and uh, Patrick Mahomes, they're not going to be outscored you're going to i mean don't get it wrong they they were down 24 nothing against um new england in the afc championship game last year and patrick mahomes it looked you look up and winked all of a sudden they tied up the game it's just a flick of the wrist this guy is so special i mean you know when you play the chiefs you're going to have to play um all 60 minutes of football because they're going to um they're going to score i mean their defense is still uh, suspect um so that's why they, they, they remind me of the Colts under Peyton Manning. They'll score a lot of points. They will. But, it's, it, it, you know, can they score enough points for their defense not to have to give up 30 points a game? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and they they started the year off with two home games at the Coliseum. Um, 
and now they're going to travel to Minnesota starting off, you know, a road trip that's going to span 48 days of them being away from the city of Oakland. Just going back to um, to Derek Carr and the Chiefs, he is 2-9 and nine, 11, in 11 matchups against the, against the Chiefs. So, yeah, he needs to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he has more interceptions and touchdowns in that span. You can go ahead and work on that. <laughs> 14 and 11. 14 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. It's almost one-to-one, man. <laughs> but you were talking, which, yeah, I mean, the Raiders go into Minnesota this week, uh, this weekend. Dalvin Cook, man. Leads a league in rushing yards, right? R- rushing in three touchdowns. 265 yards rushing in three touchdowns. The guy is a freak. The Raiders have actually held their own from, you know, inside the box, just, just limiting the first two running backs that they've played to 63 yards a game. Really? Yeah, I mean, it says here that they've only given a total of 120 something rushing yards i mean yeah they played i mean they played philip Lindsay. they they big uh in the first week they bottled him up last week uh damian williams and and, and lashawn mccoy barely was rushing the ball but, but that yeah. also happens when you have aerial attacks like the chiefs there you go and Good so there's point. always like a, a little bit of a misnomer with with stats like that because yeah you can have a good rushing go defense. Ahead, say that word again, misnomer again. Misnomer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> there could, there, there's always that type of stuff, and so, right. um, yeah, you could have a statistically okay defense, but it's probably because you're giving it up somewhere else, you know, in in, in terms of like the overall aspect of the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, with, with Raiders going into Minnesota um, on Sunday, they got. I mean, their offensive line is 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 pretty good. Uh, Oakland offensive line. They're also getting Richie Incognito back, who who missed the first two games due to his suspension for off the field uh, issues. But you know, Minnesota has a very tough um, defense. Um, pass rusher, um, Daniil Hunter, Everson Griffin, Linville Joseph up front. Decent linebackers with uh, Eric Kendricks and uh, Anthony Barr. Their secondary is pretty good. Um, and and and. Uh, and uh, Xavier Rose is a top cornerback. He'll probably be running around with Ty, uh, Tyrell Williams and Harrison Smith, number 22, one of my favorite guys to watch on Sunday at any position. He's a guy that patrols the secondary. The Raider, uh, Derek Carr has to watch out for where he's at. All, so what do, you, what do you think are their keys to, to come out of Minnesota with a win this weekend? They need to be able to run the ball. Um, you know, uh, Josh Jacobs, who, you know, is turned into a, a good a good find for them out of Alabama. Um, missed, you know, didn't really practice too often this week because he was uh, sick. He lost ten pounds. Be able to run the ball there. Uh, Darren Waller, a good a good promising tight end, um, is just gets better every week. Be able to get get him open, get him some opportunities to uh, to make some plays. Um, really, with Derek, it's it's also, it also goes back to Derek Carr. I mean, he threw two interceptions against the Chiefs uh, defense that. And like we were saying, it's just okay, could be better, but not 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 the best. Derek Carr makes a mistake against Minnesota. They're gonna make they're gonna make sure he pays for it because they they do not drop interceptions that are right that, that fall into their hands. They got um, good tacklers. So Mike Zimmer, the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, really has a good will probably put a good game plan against the Raiders offense tomorrow. Speaking of things that get out of hand, Antonio Brown. How's he looking on your fantasy team? He's not on my team anymore, but I <laughs> traded him for. Dar- I mean, I traded him when, and Darren Waller for Mike Evans. Oh man, it's great value. So I, sen- I essentially traded Darren Waller for Mike Evans. Great value, I'll take it. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, he just got released by the New England Patriots yesterday, amidst um, sexual abuse, sexual assault allegations. Um, the second one, I think, within the span of two weeks. 
Yeah. Um, and, and I think the thing that bothered me about it was that the the second um, the second woman who came forward had the the SI story, um, and pretty much put out there that she wasn't seeking any type of criminal prosecution, no civil case, didn't want any type of monetary com- compensation for anything. And, and so I think I, I mean I don't I don't know. Um, to me, it kind of just I read the story. And what does he want outside of the truth being out there? As, I mean, what, I mean, what? To, to, it's another story. It's another downward spiral for Antonio Brown. I mean, what? I mean, he's he's becoming a guy where it's every day something different. And I think really, um, sometimes every day is a different story with this guy. And I mean, really, I read I read that he sent text messages to the a group text don't um, forget that it was a group text it's, yeah with his, his with his attorney like, yeah, in the group text yeah. but not only that that he sent it while he was in the Patriots building this guy I mean come on now like you, like when you get when you were when you sign with New England when you play for New England there's a certain decorum you need to uh, uphold when they up there get when they got word of this I, I guarantee it I bet Bill Belichick who was getting peppered with questions at every presser that he was at about Antonio Brown, I think that's when he just drew it. Like, you know what? We're already a better Super Bowl. We're a Super Bowl contending team without him. Let's just go ahead and cut bait. Not not even the Patriots, man, but, like, when you're in the middle of, like, a legal storm that has to do with these type of allegations, what are you even doing reaching out to the the woman who, you know, brought the that information forward? Why, why would you even reach out given that she already put it out there that she doesn't want anything from you. I, you know what? I, from all this is being said, I think I, I was able, I'm, able, I'm able to come up with, this, with these two conclusions. Antonio Brown is, crying, is, is a cry for help. He's looking for a cry for help and a cry for uh, justice. I mean, he's... I, I, honestly, I think really with him is just that his he thinks he's gotten so big where he's beyond reproach. He's beyond um, any type of discipline. He doesn't care about getting kicked off of teams. I think in order for him to play for another team, he needs to be able to clear out all this illegal this all this legal uh, issues. Because if I'm like say, you know, the 49ers, you know, and just 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 hypothetically, if I was looking for a guy to repl- you know, uh, another wide receiver to add. There's no way I'm, I'm adding this guy. I'm just sorry. I, I won't add him. It seems like teams are starting to let him know that the sun does not shine on his ass. You no, know, you're absolutely right. I mean, look at it. I mean, he has he is one of the most talented wide receivers the NFL has right now. And, and, and just going back to everything that happened with the Raiders, I think there were a lot of people in A.B.'s corner and a lot of people kind of pointing the finger at the Raiders saying they couldn't handle this situation correctly. They were ready to throw Mike, uh, Mike Mayock under the bus. They were ready to get rid They were actually but ready why, to get rid of him out of town. And so the thing is, why is the narrative different when Antonio Brown gets let go from the New England Patriots? He couldn't adjust to the Patriot way. The Patriots, you know, they... Do you kind of see where no, I'm no, heading? No, no, no. Continue. I hear where you're going. So I, I, I think, I, I mean, and, and the Raiders have a long way to go before they can even be juxtaposed with the the New England Patriots, but I do think that it's a step in the right direction for them, given that they're they're trying to head in this new direction and establish this culture of winning, um, and, and I think they did the right thing by letting Antonio Brown go. 
um, just given the the ongoing circus that was going on, and and, and even I, I I mean I think it was Vic I don't know if it was Vic Tafer if it was uh Raider Vic, <laughs> um Paul Gutierrez I, one of those guys, but I, one of them came out with a report just saying how relieved like a lot of the other players were in the locker room that they Gutierrez. didn't have to that they didn't have to I deal know the with it. You're about. it yeah that Paul they didn't Gutierrez. have to deal with the nonsense that um, just the ongoing show. Um, and questions regarding things that had nothing to do with football. No, you're. I mean, you're right. You hit the nail right on the, on the head there. I mean, when it comes to it, I think going just going back to what you were mentioning uh, a few minutes ago about um, why couldn't you know the people you know teams were ready to throw, you know people were ready to trash the Raiders about their handling of Antonio Brown, but he goes to New England, doesn't fit the Patriot mold, but they were but people were praising the Patriots for getting rid of him. I think it really comes down to just organization. Like, let, let's face it, the Raiders haven't really done anything in the last few years, yeah. and the Patriots are quote unquote the, st- the stable franchise and all of of all of football. It's 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 the t- prototypical like winning cures everything. Right. Because if 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 you're not a organization that has a reputation of winning, then any move that you make is going to be criticized. Now, if you're the Patriots on the other end, you could get rid of Tom Brady next week and. I mean, I don't think anybody's really, really going to... I mean, people are going to question that because he's the greatest quarterback of all time. It'll be news for four days, and that's it. Yeah. At, at the most. It'll be, it'll be a news well, for it, a couple of days. It would depend on how the Patriots do after that. If they continue to lose, then you would hear nothing but Tom Brady questions for the you know, rest of the season. But if they went 11-0 and to, to finish the year, then... Tom Brady would be like a distant memory. Yeah, no, no, no question. If they were, to, if, if New England just woke up on Monday morning and says, you know what, Tom, thanks for the memories, thanks for the Super Bowl, six, six Super Bowls, we're, we're going to move on with, uh, with the backup, and that backup leads them to a first round bye and all that. Fans are going to be like, Tom, who, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and just the the last point on uh, this Antonio Brown stuff, and we talked about this a little bit before the show, but. Um, what was the deal with uh, the, the, the statement that the league released on him given that he's a free agent looking to sign with another team? So the, pretty much the, um, the statement that the NFL had, um, had, had uh, released to all uh, 32 teams in the NFL pretty much saying that if Antonio Brown, if a team were to sign Antonio Brown, just be prepared that there's a possibility that he may end up on the commissioner's exempt list. Basically, you know, a team can sign Antonio Brown on Monday, have a press conference, all the all the bells and whistles, then all of a sudden you get a, you're handed a card by someone from the commissioner's office. Oh yeah, we're going to suspend this guy. We're going to put this guy on the, on the commissioner's exempt list because until his, all of his legal stuff is cre- uh, is uh, cleared out. So that could happen. It kind of seems to me like a nice way for the the league to to pretty much tell other teams just don't just stay away from Antonio Brown because he's not going to be anything but a headache. I have this actually I have a statement right in front of me. I can read it to you verbatim. Let's hear it. So <clears throat> this is from the NFL. Antonio Brown was released today by the of course Friday by the New England Patriots and is currently at, currently an unrestricted free agent. Our office is presently investigating multiple allegations, some of which are the subject of pending litigation. We have as yet made no findings regarding these issues. The investigation is ongoing and will be pursued vigorously and expeditiously. As long as Mr. Brown is a free agent, placement on the commissioner's exempt list is not appropriate. 
if he is signed by a club, such placement may become appropriate at any time depending on the status of the investigation. Upon the conclusion of the investigation, he may also be subject to discipline if the investigation finds that he has violated the law or league policies. Yeah, I mean, to me, what that sounds like, if you plan on signing Antonio Brown, don't make plans for him to be playing on Sunday. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, he could put, you could sign, again, you could sign him on Tuesday, and he's practicing with you, and all of a sudden, Friday morning comes around, oh, he's not, oh, we're going to put him on the commissioner exempt list. For how long? They don't tell you how long. He's just on the list. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean... It's interesting. I don't know. The, the the sad thing is, and this is just from us as being football fans, Not, I, I mean, if he needs help, I hope he gets help. At the same time, you know, those are very serious allegations that have been made. And so, like, if those type of things were happening, then I hope, you know, those women get justice. From the, the football side of things, he was on track to be the best receiver of all time. He's got over 800 catches already in eight, nine years already. Yeah, like, what, the the, the tweets you had at the beginning of the year, looks like he's not going to be... I don't see it. I don't see that he's going to He have, won't. I mean, it's not going to happen. Yeah. 1,200 yards, what was well, it? it? was it was, I believe, he, it would have been seven straight seasons with at least 1,200 yards, 100 catches. No receiver's ever done that. No. And, he, and, he, and no receivers have had uh, six straight seasons of at least 1,200 yards, 1,000... Um, Yard, uh, 1,200, yeah, 1,200 receiving yards, 100, 100 catches, catches, and nine touchdowns. Yeah. No other receiver, even the great Jerry Rice, has never done that. Yeah. So for him to, like, this year, it looks like he'll not, it doesn't look like he'll even be able to uh, add on to that record. And, and, and to me, that is, from a football standpoint, the worst part of all of this because I don't think there was any doubt that he was going to be the best wide receiver to play the game when it was said and done. It, might catch flack from a lot of like you know niner faithful guys who who are gonna stick with jerry rice when it comes to that argument but from a number standpoint what he did was unparalleled no receiver has ever done that a hundred you know 100 receptions 1200 yards nine touchdowns for six straight years in the middle in his prime like he's 30 what he's 31 now 31 yeah so at this age receivers might go like four or five more years um, but he's also like one of those guys who, who just has like an incredible work ethic. He doesn't really look like he's slowing down when you see him out there playing. No, he's not a huge guy, so he's he's he his game is complete, and so that that's the thing is that, you know, is this the end of the road for him? Only time will tell. Um, but I would be surprised if it, it seems like a lot of people are kind of already digging the dirt to kind of put an end to his career he just just imagine this chris he's left dead cap space for three different teams the steelers the raiders and now the patriots so i mean it'll be interesting to see next year if you know depending on how the legal you know this his legal situation ends up what team does take a chance on him next year i mean because he would have pretty much if he doesn't play any more football this year he would have been out a year but he would come back fresh, fresher. And he's never really had a serious injury outside of Vontae, Vontae's birth hit. He's never had any real major injury. So he's still, 
you know, another year, you know, he'll be 32 next year, but still, he, he'll still be in this prime. Yeah, when that whole thing popped off with Mayock, I was like, man, so you really got to be crazy if the craziest dude in Vontaze Burfick is holding you back. It was kind of like that time when Matt Barnes was holding Draymond Green back, like, chill, bro. True that, true, yeah. You know, so... I mean, that's really all I think I have to say on Antonio Brown. Any more thoughts you have on him? I mean, I just think that next year um, it's going to be really interesting for him because I think like it depends on really, like I said, the the uh, legal system and how everything plays out. He will be, I think, he will be a top free agent next year if one, if everything he gets everything uh, everything all taken care of. Trust me, there will be a team that's going to willing to give a little change for him because he is a he is a difference maker. He is when when. Between the lines, whenever he's on the field, he got all he got his mind right. He's one of the best. We got that on that on wax, so I'm just gonna go ahead and ask you to tweet that later, so I can favorite it, and we'll we'll come back to that when the time is appropriate. It. All right, uh, we're gonna go ahead and move on. Um, surprisingly, we're gonna be talking about Cal football today. Cal ball, wait a minute, who who actually talks about college football? Man, it's I mean that's your cup of, that's your cup of tea, ain't it? I love uh, yeah, man. College football and it, and you know, you were talking about um Cal the Cal Bears in particular. Yeah, and and you know, I don't even think I gave them the proper due. The number 23 ranked California Golden Bears 4-0 now. At 4-0, having just beat 20 having just beat Ole Miss um 28 to 20 today earlier today. Um they look like they have a really good defense. I mean, Cal, like, let's face it. They have, you know, kind of flown under the radar the first four weeks of the season. Um, they had a big win up in uh, Washington a couple of weeks ago where basically it was uh, – Washington was ranked number 13 when they beat them, right? Yeah. And, and, and at the time, you know, you got to think about it. That game, <laughs> that was, it was a weird game because the game didn't end until almost like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning because of uh, the weather delay up in, uh, up in Washington. But – Cal Bears, I mean, if you've not really watched a game, just go ahead and just watch them. They're fun to watch. Uh, I mean, we, like, for years grew up watching. I mean, I've been watching Cal Bear football for years, and I don't I don't remember them. You know, they were exciting, but this is exciting this year because Justin Wilcox, the head coach, has really got this team um, playing well. Their defense, quiet is kept. Evan Evan Weaver is, is a, is, has pro, pro football uh, starter written all over him. This guy's a tackling machine. Um, and, and, and like, this overall, the, the, it's just good to see that Cal Bears are actually competing this year. It really does look good. Because they peaked last year at 24th in the country. They're 23 this year. With a win uh, um, against Ole Miss from the SEC, which, you know, it's any team. You, were, you mentioned this earlier. Any team from the SEC, that's a valid, that's a valid victory. Where, you know, no matter who you're playing. And so, Cal, this year I'm re- I'm just really looking forward to just the, just the way this team develops because I think they they have a good shot of um, maybe even winning the Pac-12 North this year. We mentioned Evan Weaver; he had 16 tackles today. Um, do you see him as an NFL prospect? You know what? It's funny because um, I, um, my friend Trent texted me earlier today, and he's like, "Why are the Niners better make sure they're looking at this guy in the backyard?" You know, he and Trent's just like me, he's a huge 49er fan. This guy is a tackling machine. And then, like, we've already let Aaron Rodgers, who's right in our backyard, uh, pretty much get drafted by the Green Bay Packers. This guy has that type of. You didn't let him get drafted by the Green Bay Packers. You just chose to 
draft Alex Smith. Again, again. You know what? Alex <laughs> Sorry, Smith, man. No, no, no. Uh, and very warranted. I, I got to correct myself. Very warranted. You know, Mike Nolan may call that shot. That, yeah. to me, still, I, I believe Aaron Rodgers should be a Niner. But that's a, another story for another day. But Evan Weaver, this guy, to me, is a top 10 pick already. He will change a defense at the next level. He is a day one starter, in my opinion. Has he got good speed? He's a fast, he's a fast. Sideline, sideline guy. He's a prototypical sideline to sideline linebacker, a guy that does, does diagnoses every play. He's in on every play. Yeah, so right now he's playing outside linebacker. Do you think he's going to continue to be an outside linebacker? Should he be in the NFL? I think, honestly, I think he could play outside. I think he could actually play inside. I think he could call defenses. Uh, I think he could wear the green dot, um, calling the plays on defense. I mean, he's got so, he's got great vision. Um, I remember, I remember, you know, years ago, Desmond Bishop, um, when he played at Cal, was a, you know, who eventually got drafted by the Green Bay Packer, uh, Packers, and I believe he played for Seattle for uh, for a spell. But that guy was a defensive end. They kind of, you know, was playing at linebacker too, and he was able to make that transition. Evan Weaver could put his hand in the dirt as well, but I also think he can play any all three um, linebacker positions. He can, like I said, call the defense. He can rush the passer. He can actually drop back in coverage against tight ends. So, I mean, he's a complete package. Yeah, I, I mean, another great story that they had developing on their team is sophomore quarterback Chase Garbers. In his first two games, he had 478 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. This um, game against Ole Miss, or I'm sorry, his first four games, those were his numbers. In his last game against Ole Miss, he went 23 for 35, had 357 yards, four touchdowns, and a pick. So we're looking at about 800, 800 yards passing um, and seven touchdowns to two interceptions. That's pretty good. I mean, that's a three to one touchdown ratio. That is re- that is ultimate. That is really good. I mean, you know, for Cal's had history of good quarterback play. Aaron Rodgers, you know, to J- Jared Goff. Jared Jared Goff. Um, you know, two guys you just just right off the top of the head that played well, and and and, and Garbers is kind of from that ilk. A guy that can stand in the pocket, find the receiver, get the ball to him. Um, you know, the, the, the one thing about Cal, they always have played like pro-style offenses. You go back to the days when they had Deshaun Jackson, Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. That was pretty much a pro-style offense. Yeah. So, I mean, this year, I mean, Garbers is that type of the sophomore quarterback. Takes him as far as he can, you know, as long as he can play well, continue to play well, and the defense continues to, uh, to do well. Cal has a real good shot at winning this uh, tough um, Pac-12 conference. Yeah, I, I mean, let's not jump the gun. They do have some some very notable opponents coming up. So they have number 24 ASU next week. Another A, a team that, that went up to um, East Lansing and uh, beat uh, Michigan State. Uh, they, yeah, and, the, and, and then today they, had, they play Colorado, is it? Colorado beat Nebraska early, a tough Nebraska team. So they're, they're going to have their hands full with Colorado, but assuming that they're able to, to stay on track, um, don't be surprised if both of these teams are ranked a little higher next week. Um, I'm saying Cal's going to probably sneak up to maybe 20th. I mean that's a big that's a good win over there. There were there were some there were some teams in the in the in the national rankings that did fall off today. So so yeah, I think Cal has a good chance. Of, I mean that's what you want. You want that team to you want you want to move up. Twenty three is great, yeah. but you kind of want it. You definitely want to move up in the rankings. And if 
And then who's to say with the win against um, Ole Miss uh, today, they could go maybe 22nd, maybe 21st. The, the, the table was set for them to really, to really challenge for a good ranking with ASU. Um, they're going to have their hands full with that game. It should be a really good game. Next two games, definitely. Uh, and, 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 then they, and then they're going to have to play Oregon after ASU. So if they can get out of ASU with a victory, that's going to boost. They're going to be they're going to be in the top twenty. Where's that Where's that game against Oregon? Is that down? Is that at, uh, at the, up in Berkeley? That's a good question. Let me. Um, I think they. I want to say they are here. I want to say that game is here because I know they go to Arizona State um, for a game. But I believe they. I believe that Oregon game is up at uh, right up there on uh, right up at the campus. That's a good question. I'll have to take a look into okay. that. Because I mean that that definitely is a game that I would like to go check out. Um, because I mean that you're hoping that if they get past Arizona State, they play Oregon at home, who's right now up what twenty-one to three against uh, Stanford. Stafford. Yeah, another Stanford, another team that just all of a sudden just fell off the off the table. That's why this year, I think this is a good year for for Cal, while Stanford is taking a back seat with all their. With the, some of the injuries they've endured, and uh, just the the, the, the game, the, the play, the level of play that they they put out there, I think this is a good year for Cal to kind of reclaim some of the uh, Bay Area spotlight in terms of college sport, college football. I did just uh, take a look at the game page for the Oregon game. Um, in a couple of weeks, that's actually going to be in Oregon. That's go. Oh wow, that's up in. Um, Oh, that's up in Eugene. Okay, Hudson Stadium. That's gonna be. Oh wow. Okay, that's what. Yeah. That's a tough play. That's one of the like I thought. Um, Washington, um, Washington's home uh, stadium is tough. Eugene, where the Ducks play, is really tough. Yeah. The, the I mean, Cal they have a chance to really make some noise this year, but it can also kind of swing the other direction just with the competition that they're playing because they they have four ranked opponents left on the rest of their schedule after four games how many games do you play in college is it 11 you play uh, 11 games yes. it's 11 games so that's about pretty much a third of the way through the season they've got four games against ranked opponents they have 24 asu next week 16 oregon um in two weeks um in a month from today they're going to be playing number 10 utah oh right there utah played Utah lost to SC last night, but Utah is a very tough team, and I think don't they go up to Utah? You just mentioned at it? Utah. See, and it's the thing: a lot of the Cal Cal's toughest road, toughest games are all on the road. A lot of their toughest yep. toughest games yep. are on the road. I mean, Arizona State comes in, or, or is it Arizona State's in Berkeley? They're gonna right? be. Oh man, I'm gonna have to go to that game. See, exactly. So like, it's a it's a game that definitely you want to go check out. I mean, make a day out of it. Go up to go up to uh, go up to Berkeley. Maybe even go to Fast Slice or something, grab you a slice and watch the game. But, yeah, the, the, the Cal's toughest opponents this year, or majority of them are on the road. So yeah. they're gonna, it's going to be tough for them, but I think they really, I think this team has really got has the makings of being a good uh, good team this year. Yeah, and then they have they have the number 19 Washington State um, University on November 9th. Okay. Uh, and then after that, they're going to, they pretty much they close out the year against SC, Stanford, and UCLA. Man, I mean, for the first four games is something, but that rest of that schedule it is brutal. But I just just the way they played, I think I have a I have a good strong confidence in this team to to 
to give me at least eight more, uh, four more wins. So, all right, given given that you're the you're the the college football guy, uh huh. What's your prediction for what their record will be when it's all said and done? Let's see. You really just need six. You just need to win six games to be bowl eligible. So they've already got the hard work out of the way. Um, a great season for Cal. Just given what we've talked about, eight and f- eight and four. Do, do you think that's what their record is going to be when at I the think, end of the year? I think at the end of the year, Cal can win. This team can win eight games, and so I'm saying eight. I, I don't want to hear what they can win, man. Eight what, and four. They're going to be eight and four. Eight and four. All right. They're going to be eight it. and four. They're going to be eight and four. All right. They're going to be eight and four, and they're going to go to a major bowl. They're going to go to a major New Year's Day bowl game. I'll say that right now. You guys heard it here first. Plugged in podcast. Joe Hawks with an eight and four prediction for the California Golden Bears, making it to an important bowl game. Matter of fact, add this: they'll play in the Pac-12 championship. They will play in the Pac-12 championship. Get that down, too, guys. Book that. Book that. All right, and so that pretty much wraps us up for today's show of the Plugged In Podcast. Um, go ahead and follow us on Twitter if you haven't done so already. We're at Plugged In PCast. Um, give me a follow at Chris C underscore Hustle. Again, that's Hustle spelled H-U-S-S-L-E. Or and you can also get, and also follow me at JLHB510 at Twitter. JLHB510. And before we uh, unplug today, I want to go ahead and um, let everyone know that we would love to hear feedback on the show, any suggestions, topics that you would love to to hear. We cover us. it all. We cover it all. Exactly. Just just hit us up on Twitter, or um, you can even email us at uh, plugged in podcast cj at gmail dot com. Um, hit us up on any of, of the platforms, and we we'd love to hear from the listeners. Um, just on anything from from show content to improvements on the show um you know we we, we just want to get we value all the feedback exactly we want to get words and, back from from the viewers and then we just like to we want to make the podcast better so any, any feedback feedback would be great all right we're unplugged we are unplugged